Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone. As he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, up to bat, Brett Boone. Take me through that 2007 year. You know, they, they, the, the curse was broken in 2004. I watched that. It was amazing to me. Uh, 2007, it comes around again. You guys are World Series champions. You beat the Rockies. Take me through that year. Did you know spring training, you had a special team? Yeah, well, see, here's the thing is that spring training in, in 05, I was in big league camp with all of them right after they went. And, you know, that was the, the team that did it all. And, you know, of course – I'm coming in as a young prospect and like I said, it was, it was a tough group to, to pierce. I mean, that, I think me and Kevin Euclid were the only 20 year olds on that team for a long time, man. And it was a tough group to pierce and you had some hardcore dudes that just won a world series. And so I was fortunate enough to go there. And I remember we were facing the blue, no, the Baltimore Orioles in uh, spring training, and um, Millar and Damon and Trot and all were getting drilled by some Dominican throwing a hundred. And I'm out there, I'm like, man, well, look, I'm not going back on that in the, on that bench unless I start drilling people. So I started. I think I had Palmero, Sosa, a bunch of Hall of Famers coming up. I started drilling Hall of Famers, and I even got – I'm spring <laughs> I don't even have a day in the big leagues. And Sammy Sosa charges the mound on me, and we're fucking getting into it. So after that, Tito was like – he pulls me in the office. He's like, Pat, what the hell is going on out there, man? What are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. I just did what I felt like I had to do. I mean, I know we got our asses kicked because I drilled everybody. But and then he goes, I love it, man. I love it. Yeah. You know? And so, uh, yeah, that's just kind of how they welcomed me when I got there. You know, because of I had spring training with them. Very cool. And the, and the 07 run. You know, it's so. I've had so many guys on this program, and and 
Some guys got rings. Some guys don't have rings. Some guys, you know, we just had Griffey on recently. Played all those years. One of the greatest players of all time. Never even got to a World Series, let alone won one. That feeling, you got you you were there last pitch. You ended it. It's a uh, like none other, man. You know, and I I'll be I, I I admit, you know, I really don't. Man, we were we were those were the days where we were out every night, and man, we were having a fun time. And you know, I no social at, media. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, man. I don't know how they do it now. God Almighty, it's got to be terrible. But you know, um, for me, I. I, I was riding the wave, man, and you know, obviously, there's a childhood dream to strike out somebody to win the World Series, and um, you know, I ended up playing again. I went to Mississippi State. The kid I struck out was from Ole Miss. We played since we were 18 together, so it was it was kind of nostalgic. But it's a hard thing to explain, and um, you know, now that I look back and I'm tired, man, how blessed I was. Uh, it's it's hard to imagine because I wasn't as thankful for it, you know, when I played. But now it's man, it's. It's incredible to go back and talk about it for sure. Um, talk about talk to me about the rivalry with the Yankees back then. I know as a player, uh, you know, in the early two thousands, I was on those some great Mariner teams. But uh, but uh, I'll tell you what, it was still we'd we'd stop what we were doing and watch that Boston Yankee rivalry. Yeah, but it we're, just was what it was. Did y'all y'all didn't lose? Uh, did y'all y'all did not lose a series all year, right? I think we lost one in September. We or y'all lost one late, right? We yeah. screwed it up, but it yeah. was still that Boston, and and I talk about it all the time. I love my time in Seattle. wouldn't wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, love my time in Cincinnati, but I always wanted to play. The end of my career, I, I I wanted to play in New York. I loved I loved Yankee Stadium. I loved old Yankee Stadium. Never got that opportunity. But I really, you know, I'd watch you guys in that rivalry. And it's like it was the only they're trying to make rivalries in, in Seattle, like you and the Padres. And we're like, come on, that's that's not a real rivalry. I when we watched Yankee Boston, that was the rivalry, and and it was cool. Take me inside that a little bit. Uh as a player back then. Oh seven. Yeah, you know, for me, when I when I when I came up, it was um okay, so first we had your brother hit the home run against Wake defeated right. then they come and win it the next year and then it's ingrained as you once as soon as that i feel like as soon as 04 happened um and you know you could go all all the brawls that had happened you know the the one in the bullpen the one with the royo and tech and i mean pedro throws in i mean they all got crazy you know <laughs> I, I mean, and it just to me, as soon as I was drafted, being from the South, I didn't know about Yankees and Red Sox as much until I got up there. And it was ingrained in me. It really truly was ingrained into me that if I come up here and I have success against the Yankees, I'm doing something. Like that is what they expected me. And if I don't have success in the Yan against the Yankees, I will not be here very long. So, um, yeah, that became an integral part of my career to make sure that I had success against them. Now, did Jarek Jeter bloop a few on me every now and then? Yeah. But overall, I, I had success against them, and I think that um, that plays a big part, man. You can't have success against your guys in the division that, you know, have been kicking your ass for a long time, and now you're starting to kick their ass and you got to give them back. You're not going to stick around here long. It's just a fact. 
Oh eight, you're an all star again. Oh nine, an all star. You were a six time all star. Two thousand fourteen, you're with the Phillies. Uh, get your three hundredth career save. Something to it. it. There's something. Certain things as position players that are kind of milestones you hit. Uh, I would assume, you know, for starters, there's milestones. They're they're ever changing now with with the game, the way the game is now. Wins and losses aren't a big deal like they used right. to be. But uh, three hundred, you, you get three hundred save. Kind of, kind of a big deal. Yeah, you know, I and it was for me. And, and like I said earlier, I, I look at it now more than I did before. Um, but I was going to Philadelphia. Man, shit, Halliday, Hamels, Cliff Lee, Chase Utley, Ryan Howard, myself. I mean, dude, I could have gone. I thought honestly, I was, you know. The whole Bobby Valentine thing started to happen in Boston, and I got out before that, and I thought I was going to Philadelphia, and, man, I was going to put some more rings on my finger. I, that's, I honestly thought that. And then we had, you know, you know, God rest his soul, Halliday just started getting old um, injuries with Brian Howard's Achilles, and, you know, a lot of things happened. But, I, you know, for me, hitting 300 was obviously so special um, – and I didn't even, you know, I didn't realize I was the fastest to get to 300. And they're telling me I was faster than Mo. And I was like, man, well, I'm going to chase Mo. And then all of a sudden, like I talked about earlier, I started falling apart. The teams in Philly started falling apart. So I didn't have opportunities. So every opportunity came slow, you know, to get 35 saves. I was pumped about that instead of 45, like in Boston. Right. Um, so, you know, that, that started to happen towards the end of my career. And, um, you know, then I go into Washington and I was kind of, you know, I gave up money to go there thinking that I was going to a different team than what I was expected to go to. And then, you know, me and Harp got into it, which was fine. We're great now, but there was turmoil in the clubhouse then. And so, I just did not have as many opportunities as I would have liked to towards the end of my career, but it happens. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Uh, you finish with the Nash, uh, with the Nationals. Um, great career. 386 saves, 244 Ernie. Uh, that's a lot. Six All-Star games. That's a lot of, that's a lot of uh, damage you did. You look at that. We were just talking about the rivalry with New York and Boston. The East is different now. You talk about Nesson. You're, you're, <clears throat> you're working with them. Different now. You got Baltimore atop the division. Uh, Tampa Bay has really come into their own. I mean, year in and year out, they're they're a pain in the neck. Uh, Toronto, a lot better. Got a great offense. Pitching's better. What about Boston? You say they're last place. Yankees, or it's you know, you guys are battling for the seller. Still over five hundred. Not like it, like the in the central. That's the thing. They're both of the teams are over five hundred. Yeah, some of these National League teams, they're taking that. That's what's so crazy, Brett. Yeah, and and I'll tell you what, they still Boston and New York still have a chance. Right. But in your in your day in the beginning in Boston, 
these other these other teams weren't even it was who's going to win this year Yankees or Boston it was back and forth now it's different it's a different division hey look it, when we played back in the day uh, and David Ortiz will tell you this I think you got it, our motto was we're going to drink your beer and we're going to kick your ass and like the Blue Jays and Orioles were like Camden Yard was Fenway South literally and and now it's 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 all changed but you know the great thing is is about the game now is man with the wild card and all that it's you really you, you have a chance every team still has a chance and these guys still going to play each other a lot but um you know to me as a player man I, I i can only speak as a player i've never been in the front office i've never you know you know done this but now i'm doing you know i'm an analyst so-called analyst with Jim Knight <laughs> here. Uh, you know, me and Jim get into it a lot. He's the Hall of Famer here, but I, 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 I enjoy it. But man, like the the Red Sox have done absolutely nothing to make them any better. And I don't know what the analytics say that man, if you're in the hunt for a postseason and you need a whole lot more and you don't go get anything, what does that tell you as a player? Brett, you're playing, and when you're on a team, you busted your ass all season long to, to get to the trade deadline to maybe get that one more guy to take you over the hill. You got Chris Sale coming back, Trevor Story coming back. Uh, man, like, why? just it blew my mind, man. And I, I don't know, dude. We've just had this talk with the, with the trade deadline and teams I've been on <clears throat> and, and what the players do go through. I know I've been at the trade deadline a few times where we look up and it's like they didn't do anything. Now all of a sudden we go to that clubhouse the next day and it's us. Now there's 26, 25 guys. We're looking at each other. It's like, it's us against the world. Now I've also been on teams where at the deadline we went out and got a piece and, and kind of everybody that next day in the clubhouse is like, all right, management's got our back. We can go on. Now that doesn't always end well, but from a player's perspective, I know you've been through it. I've been through it. You appreciate when management's pulling on the same end of the rope as as uh, us in the clubhouse. You do not win a championship or you do not go far in postseason without management having your back, not only in the media, but on the team. You know, there's 26 guys on the team, but you also got – in today's world, got amounts of trainers and coaching staff that all have to be on your back, that all have to protect the player and the manager, that now also you have to have a front office that is on board to do the same. And if you don't have front office, staff, and players all protecting each other, having each other's back, trying to do something special, you just don't win. The uniqueness about the East this year. American League East is Yankees and Boston, even though they're in fourth and fifth place with the way that set up, they're still in this. One of those teams can still make, you can't have five from a division, but you can't have four mathematically. Uh, you know, I keep a special eye, obviously on a few teams. I, I keep a special eye on the Mariners. I, I, I follow what the Reds are doing. And obviously I keep, a, I keep an eye on the Yankees from, from a family sure. perspective. Correct. You're looking at it right now. What's doing this year, though, baby? Huh? I got to love, man. You love what the Reds are doing this year, man. I love it's it's pretty cool. You know, I I love those stories now. Me too, man. Because Baltimore. When's the last time we talked about Baltimore? They've been the 
doormat for how many years? All of a sudden, that's a pretty cool, pretty cool story. This L.A. De La Cruz comes up and and uh, a teammate of mine and one of my favorite guys, too. He's a red ass. David Bell's at the helm in, in Cincinnati. So I, I like watching stories like that. It's very cool. Crystal ball. Do the Yankees or Boston? Does either one make it to the postseason? Okay, uh, and if if so, only one can do it. The position they're sitting in. I, I don't see. The, I honestly, I don't see the Red Sox making it because they don't have Alex Cora. To me, has done the most amazing job of any manager this year, and, and given what he's had to work with, man, the amount of shuffling that he has had to do this year. Look, man. I, they got guys coming up in the minor leagues. I, I got to get briefed. Who's this guy today? Who's this guy tomorrow? Like, <laughs> I don't even know who these guys are, you know, some of them. And so his job to me has been excruciating and hard. And to me, the front office has made it that way. And so I'm looking at the front office has already called the, the general manager said, already said the Red Sox are underdogs. Why should we add on? Okay. Well, if your general managers are saying you're underdogs and why should we add on, how do you think everybody else feels around here? So, to me, the statement says everything, and that puts the mood is, oh, well, we're not going to win. So, what else do you expect? So, if the general manager is going to create that mood around here and in this city, why should you expect them to be in the playoffs? 2023, Jonathan Papelbon takes the mound. How are you doing with the pitch clock? <laughs> well, you know, me and Joe West used to have a lot to do about this before they started this pitch clock, and I used to get fined a lot. Theo would actually pay my fines, and he'd say, you just do your routine, whatever, until they started getting steeper and steeper. We had to change. So <laughs> I realize you have to change. I realize the owner, you only get, you know, what do they call them? I call them a pickoff, but now they're called disengagements. Disengagements, right. Like, what the hell is that? You know what I mean? <laughs> so um, you get two picks, and I I would I would adjust to it just because that is what you have to evolve. And now right. would I like it? Not necessarily, but I would probably be that guy. Like, I'm in the hotel room. I'd be in the mirror with the clock. You know, I'd be trying little things and, and, and making it work. Uh, would I like it? No. Yeah, as a hitter, I, I I look back and forth. I think as a hitter, it'd be a little bit easier if you have a certain way you go about uh, on the mound. I, I can understand how that'd be an adjustment, especially after years in the game. But as a hitter, uh, I don't know. For me, I think it would be no big deal. I, now, I don't like the fact that I need to engage you at the eight second mark. And yeah, that, you can hold you can hold the ball on me, and I can't call timeout. Yeah, when I call timeout, that was my kind of my tick. And t- I think they can work that out, though. Yeah, I, was- I think it's. There's some some stakes to that, man. Yeah, so it's it's not perfect yet. I don't think it's perfect yet. There's gonna be, some, you know, he's got to look and engage him right. There's some right. So, um, yeah, but the hard thing is, is for guys like Scherzer and Verlanders who have done this for you know, right 12, 13, twenty years. Yeah, so it's. Well, Pap, I wish you all the best, man. I appreciate you coming on. Morning, man. Best, best of luck with Nesson. Tell, uh, tell Yuke I said hello. He was He's a friend of the program, and uh, all the best, man. Yeah, and for all you Yuke and Wake and me now. Yeah, tell Wake's been on the show. Tell Wake I said hi, too. I had, I've been battling Wake since double A. Ask him about oh, double A. Yeah, they I, made me catch with him my rookie year, and I had 
20 off my shins. That was part of my uh, hazing. Well, I appreciate it. For all you out there watching the Boone podcast, I appreciate you watching, appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next time. Okay, man, we'll see you. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 